Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Friends, the goat is on the podcast. I repeat, the goat is on the podcast. We have DJ Fresh in the house, the official DJ for the Tampa Bay Rays Major League Baseball team, founder of the Certified Fresh DJs and CEO of DJ Fresh Fresh Events. Doug Hensel, aka DJ Fresh, is one of the most sought-after entertainers in the Sunshine State. Since starting his career in 1999, DJ Fresh has been voted one of the top three corporate entertainers by the Tampa Bay Business Journal and Best DJ to Change the Game by Creative Loafing Hair Flip. He has been asked to host national sporting events such as the Super Bowl, Major League Baseball All-Star Break, NCAA National Championship Concert Series, and host celebrity events for Usher, Rihanna, Jamie Foxx, Pitbull, Chris Brown, The Roots, and even Mr. Elwood Blues himself, Dan Aykroyd, just to name a few. A few. <laughs> DJ Fresh can be seen every can be seen live every Friday night at Tropicana Field, pumping up the players and fans in the stadium for the Tampa Bay Rays home games. Well-known for creating some of the most entertaining themed events in Tampa Bay, DJ Fresh continues to customize the dance floor each night with a unique twist to constantly keeping the vibe fresh. He is also often asked to host a multitude of unique parties, events, and charity functions across the country. What's more, DJ Fresh can also be seen live on HSN, Home Shopping Network, both mixing live on air for celebrity product launches and being a guest host and electronics expert representing brands like Sharp, Beats by Dre, Samsung, and Margaritaville. There are no limits to the genre of music mixed into a DJ Fresh set. His record selection personality mixed with his energy is what makes him so popular to everyone he comes into contact with, myself included. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my greatest pleasure to introduce to you a member of my Tampa family and also one of my newest and most favoritest humans in the entire world, Mr. Doug Hensel. (laughs) This is such a treat. Well, hands down, that was by far the coolest and best, most certified fresh introduction I've ever had. So I just want to say thank you for that. I mean, that I didn't even like, like, scratch the surface. Like I had to delete things about like, your, I was like, the, the, your intro is going to be the whole hour, sir. Like I had to, I had to consolidate and paraphrase literally the coolest person ever. I, I have so many thoughts and questions, but my first being, how are you? I'm great. I just feel like we need way more than an hour together today. So I don't know how we're going to squeeze all this fun in, into an hour, but let's, let's, let's try. Let's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that this is probably going to be a great radio show and we should perhaps do an encore or a few. So we'll just throw that out there into the ether and see if it sticks. I'm down. I'm always down. I love it. So one of the questions that we like to start with on the show to kind of get a full scope of the folks that we have on is what was Little Doug like? <laughs> little Doug. Well, Little Doug wasn't known as Doug. Uh, I, I think, unfortunately, every time somebody is is given the name Doug, you're, you just instantly go right into Dougie. So I was Dougie growing up to pretty much everybody. I had uh, this crazy Shirley Temple bleach blonde curly wavy hair. And you could catch me on weekends at Chuck E. Cheese uh, on the dance floor break dancing, probably five, six, seven, eight years old. Um, but I was always just hamming it up. I was always mimicking 
you know, Prince, Michael Jackson, always trying to just be an entertainer and put on shows. And uh, my mother actually, you know, I feel did a great job raising me because she raised me always playing music. Um, she, she would tell me that, you know, as a, as a baby, she would put the headphones on very, very low and put them on her belly and, you know, play disco music and, and, and funk and, you know, classical. And it, it's crazy. I, I, then when I, you know, was a kid, I couldn't go to sleep without listening to, to either symphony music or, you know, uh, Mozart or Beethoven or, or, you know, something of that nature. And then, you know, whoever would have thought that I think that was the catalyst to transform me into, you know, a DJ later on, but yeah, I was always just hamming it up and I was always a, an entertainer and just wanted to, you know, have a good time. So you've created this insane entrepreneurial brand for yourself where there's so many different facets to it. So many streams of revenue, you've got your hands in a lot of different things, not just music oriented, but also, you know, events-based other entrepreneurial projects. At what point did you know that music was going to be an avenue for a career for you? You know, I was 17 years old, my senior year in high school, and I was a a bat boy, actually, for the Tampa Bay Rays. It was the very first year, 1998, that they became a team. It was the inaugural um, year. And at that same time, there was a radio station that that came on air, and they were called Wild 98.7. And at the time, we didn't have a hip-hop radio station. We didn't have a hip hop contemporary radio station. You would only hear pop music, you know, and other genres, but there wasn't a hip hop station. And for us in Tampa Bay, it was a big, 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 huge deal. Everybody wanted to work for this radio station. So I, by the time I got the guts enough to go down there and fill out an application, the girl at the front door or front desk wouldn't even give me an application. She goes, look, there's like 300 applications. Like, uh, like it's pointless to even give you one right now. Like you're not even gonna, they're not even gonna look at you. And I was like, well, dang. Uh, okay. And then it just caused me to want it even more. Cause I'm like, I have to figure out, cause I love music. You know, I just always love music. I always love dancing. I always love, um, you know, music is the key I feel to our soul. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the sound of love and it can, you know, change your attitude, help you through dark times. And I wanted to be a part of a radio station that was doing really cool groundbreaking things and also being a disruptor you know, on the radio waves. So um, once I, you know, found my, my back door to kind of get into that radio station and work my way up after being an intern. And then once I got a taste of, of how music can really change people and radio and things like that. And then that's what kind of led into me DJing. And then once I kind of, you know, first got a, a sense and a taste of how a DJ can control and command a crowd and how it can make you feel all these different emotions I was just, I was, I just knew instantly, like instantly right then and there, I was like, this is what I need to do. Mm. So at what point did your love for music transition into events? So once, once I fell into the kind of DJ thing, um, it, 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 it was me seeing, you know, me working in nightclubs. Right. So I would, the crazy thing is, is I would go, I was working for the radio station and I had a radio personality, right? And I was part of this big mom and the wild bunch show. And then our job was to go and promote at this club, huge club called the pleasure dome in Ybor city. And it was massive, it was probably 2000 people in the main room Had a whole separate room too. That was a different, you know, vibe. And then one night the lighting guy called out 
sick and everybody was freaking out because back then you actually had to run, you know, it wasn't automated. You actually had to run this, you know, probably $200,000 like, you know, light show. So the previous summer, I did an internship with my uncle who has a professional lighting company up in Atlanta. So I learned how to do like installation and, and, you know, learned how to, you know, program some lights. And so everybody's freaking out. The lighting guy didn't show up. And I was like, I can run lights. I had no, I'd never seen the board. I just, I saw an opportunity and I said, I can run the lights. And I went up to the DJ booth, which I had never been in before. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll figure it out. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I just bit off more than I can chew. And I just started just running some programs and kind of figuring it out. And then, you know, halfway through the night, I'm like shutting off the circuit breakers, completely blacking <laughs> out the club. Every like to the beat, I'm like, the strobes, the strobes are going. I'm throwing out napkins and stuff from the balcony of the DJ booth. So it, it looked like it was snowing and everybody's just mind was blown in the DJ. This, I'll never forget the D, he actually became my mentor and taught me how to DJ, but DJ extreme was this very, um, short, crazy, talented Cuban guy. And he just was like smiling ear to ear. And I was smiling ear to ear. Cause I'm vibing off of him. He's vibing off of me. And at the end of the night, he goes, bro, I'm firing the lighting guy. You're my new lighting guy. You're not going to work for the radio station on Friday and Saturday nights. You're going to come here and be my lighting guy. And I was like, look, I will be your lighting guy forever have to teach me how to DJ and you have to teach me how to play music like that. I've never seen anybody command a crowd like that. And I don't know what kind of magic juju you got, but I was like, I, I need it. I want it. So literally that's how the DJ thing came about. But then I got sick of all the, the drugs and the crazy bad stuff that would go on. And at that time it was the, it was the turn of the millennium. So it was 1999, 2000, 2001. And, you know, ecstasy and all this other stuff was really popular. And, you know, it was just a kind of a grimy kind of time in nightlife. And I was talking with my aunt she goes, you know, you can make a lot more money and not be so tired and sleep through all your college classes if you start doing private events. And she had a very successful uniform supply company down in Bradenton. And I was like, wow, you're right. She goes, you could probably charge $100, $125 an hour doing private parties, birthdays, corporate functions, weddings, you know, whatever. And I was like, $125 an hour. I was like, I'm making 300 bucks for five hours and I'm not getting home to like five in the morning. I'm like, yes, like, and I just printed up business cards, printed up little posters, took them around to like Cicino's, the tuxedo place, gave them out to everybody and just asked, this was before, way before MySpace. And I said, and way before Facebook or Insta or any of that, um, I'm dating myself because I just yelled out MySpace, but you know, it was just, <laughs> it was, it was guerrilla street marketing and it was homegrown because that's what I learned from working at the radio station. I learned how to promote and I learned how to bring a lot of people to one place in a very short period of time. And that transpired into me just doing my own events. Then I threw my own party, which had about 200 people. Then the next party had about 400. Then the next party had about 800. And then it grew and grew before I knew it, you know, it was 1500 people, you know, sometimes 2000 people coming out to my certain annual theme parties. And it was just absolutely amazing because there was a need for it. You know, there's a need for something different and unique in the Tampa Bay area and not just your local bars or only a couple of the clubs that were around at that time. So it just, it just grew. What age were you when your aunt planted that seed? I think I maybe turned 21. I was probably, yeah, probably right at the start of, of me officially being legal enough, you know, to do, you know, to, to drink and to go out and do all of that. So I think it was right around 
age 21, 22, I think is when I first kind of landed my first kind of, you know, got my equipment and landed my first gig. So my first private gig was one of her girlfriend's like 40th or 50th birthday parties. And there was only like, you know, 40 people there. And, and she paid me, you know, the rate. And then she gave me a $50 tip. And I was like, at the time I was like, wait, I just made like 450 bucks or $500. And I got home at like midnight. I was like, whoa, okay. I'm working smarter, not harder. And then it just, how can I, how can I scale this? How can I ramp it up? How can I do more? How can I, how can I double that and make a thousand dollars a night? You know, that was my goal at such a young age. And, you know, you just, a lot of hard work and a lot of grinding and a lot of networking and, and boom. Where does that entrepreneurial acumen come from? Did you have a particular example or does it like come from within or where did, where, how, what inspired you to know, oh, to think so expansively of like, okay, I made 500 bucks. Let's double that. Or like, let's 10 X this, you know, I have this opportunity. Let's print business cards. Where does that come from? So, you know, back then there were no, <clears throat> there were no like workshops. There was no YouTube. There was no Gary V. There was no Grant Cardone. There was no, you know, it was literally just what you saw on the streets. You know, I was never, um, you know, I wasn't really good in school just because, you know, I, I had like a mild case of ADD and I was always like, you know, squirrel, you know, you know, and, you know, it was hard for me to focus and concentrate. I was horrible at taking tests, but I think, you know, growing up, not having much, you know, I grew up with a, you know, being raised by my mother my dad was really kind of in and out of my life. And, you know, it was a struggle sometimes, um, but she made it work and she made a lot of these sacrifices so at a young age, I was always trying to work and earn and make money, mowing lawns, painting my grandmother's house. You know, um, I, all my family members would have me, you know, detail their cars or paint their fences. And, you know, I was always trying to earn, um, you know, I ran a pumpkin patch at like age 14 and made hundreds of dollars, just, just any way I could hustle and, and be able to have money to be able to do things, um, was very important to me. So once I got you know, once I was actually able to legally work, you know, 15, 16 years old. And once I earned my first paycheck, I was always wanting more, you know, and I think some people are either born with the entrepreneurial hustle, you know, DNA in you or something maybe traumatic or bad happens in your life, or you just hit rock bottom and you, you dig down deep and you acquire, you find that. Um, because there's some people that I know that are DJs that are very comfortable just doing nightclubs or they're comfortable just doing weddings and they will never make past a certain amount of money per year. And there's other guys like myself who will do every single kind of party, every single type of event. We don't discriminate. If you're going to pay me my rate, I'm going to go and make sure you have the experience of a lifetime because then you're going to refer me out to all of your friends. And I've never been able, I've never advertised a day in my life. I've never put out a, like a, an actual like ad saying, Hey, hire DJ fresh events for this. Or, you know, you know, we're doing these special packages. Like it's all been referral based and it goes to show that just hard work and true hustle, you can really get there. But also networking. And I want to touch upon that because you do have a way of commanding a room and you can literally talk to anyone and be put in any environment and thrive. Um, where does that come from? Is that a learned behavior? Is that how you were born into the world? Like, explain how you were able to hone in on your networking, like, or your craft of connecting with people. Because I, I have a love-hate relationship with the word networking, right? It sounds very forced, very, like, solely business. And I know, <clears throat> I know you, and I know 
like the content of your character. And I know that you're not just connecting with someone because they could potentially give you something in the future. Like you're genuinely interested in people. So where does that come from? I think, you know, I've always been a people person. Even when I was young, you know, I, I would just go up and have a full-blown conversation with adults, you know, and, and with people that were, that were way older than me. A lot of my friends too were older than me as well. Maybe I'm an old soul. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, some people are just born with a certain type of personality where they're not shy of talking, you know, in front of groups of people or walking up to, you know, um, a random crowd and going, Hey guys, I'm Doug. What's, what's going on? You know? Um, and just breaking the ice. Um, you know, I, it's funny that you say that about networking. Cause I, I think that that term has been so just meh, you know, that I, I call it, you know, creating opportunities, you know? So the more people, you know, the more chance you have to create opportunities, you know, if, if, if we both know 10 people, right. But then I meet another 10 people after you, well, then I just created 10 more possible opportunities to explore with those 10 more, you know, more people. So, you know, the more people, you know, the better for anything, whether you need something from your neighbors, uh, you know, whether, you know, your car doesn't start, whether, you know, you want to propel a new business and start a new business venture, or whether you want to have people tune into your podcast or whatever it may be, or wear, wear your jewelry or, you know, and, you know, listen to your music. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think I was just born with it because, you know, I can go back and, and, and look at the times and remember the times where I was just hanging out with older people. And, and I, we had a big family. My, my mom had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of aunts and um, it was a big family and they were always dancing and, and having a good time. They had, they had these crazy extroverted personalities. So I think, I think a lot of it is just in your, you know, it's in your genes. It's a, it's a little nature and it's a little nurture as well. <clears throat> agreed. How you, agreed. How did you come up with your DJ name? So I was actually blessed that my mentor uh, that I told you about earlier, DJ extreme, he he gave me the name, um, DJ fresh, uh, you know, anytime, you know, your name is Doug and growing up most of the time, they always just refer to you as Dougie fresh. You know, um, there's only one Doug E fresh and that's the original, you know, uh, beatbox DJ, uh, Dougie fresh. Uh, he's uh, an absolute legend, but I think that's kind of where it came from. But I used to always try to dress nice and I always like to carry myself well. And I always, you know, your image is everything. And, and, you know, from your shoes to your shirt to, you know, I, you know, little things, just grooming, you know, having, you know, your hair nice and whether you're a female or a male or whatever in between, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing that people will judge you on immediately right out the gate. If you show up to an, to an interview and you're all sloppy, you're not going to be taken seriously. If you show up to an interview with, you know, a blazer, you know, um, nice pants and your shoes clean, you have a much better shot at getting respect out the gate. And the, the, the DJ used to always just call me Dougie fresh and joke with me. And then once he taught me how to DJ, he came up to me and he's like, your new name is officially DJ fresh from here on out. And that's what everybody's going to call you. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the coolest name ever. I was like, <laughs> yes. I was like, yes. So I was, I was very blessed. You know, some people pick their name. Um, some people have it chosen for them by either a mentor or 
who they learned from. Uh, but I was very fortunate and lucky that, you know, 21, 22 years ago, uh, he dubbed me DJ Fresh and it's, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> Same. I think it suits you. So we, we talk about presenting yourself well. We talk about networking slash connecting with people. What other like granular business practices do you think really helped make you such a success? Like what would your gift of knowledge be to some of our listeners who maybe are interested in getting into the DJ space or the music space or the entertainment space? Like how did you build such a robust brand on a, on a granular level? Um, you know, really it was, it was just downright, hustle mentality, you know, and it was guerrilla marketing. So I would go and flyer cars and make sure they were UV coated. So they didn't stick to people's windshields when I got all wet or dewy. I made that mistake once and almost ruined my reputation, but you know, you learn, right. You learn of how to adapt. You learn how to, how to be better, how to do better. And you learn from your mistakes because that's what makes you bigger, better, and stronger. And, you know, I think, you know, it, it, you have to surround yourself with a very good crew, whether it's friends, family, you know, a, a networking, I'm doing air quotes right now, a networking group, um, or just like-minded individuals that will want to help you succeed because you want to help them succeed. You know, I did a lot of favors for people, a lot of favors. And I was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Happy to help, happy to help, happy to help. But phone rings later down the road and I need something, please pick up. And I would always just say it loosely and funny like that. Like, cause I'm not going to hold you to it. Whatever. You don't want to return the favor. Cool. All right. I will I'll remember that. You know what I mean? But, you know, it was doing a lot of favors for people. It was um, just grassroots marketing. It was teaming up with the right people too um, for like events and growing. And then, you know, you have to go out and support. So if you're, you know, especially in the industry of entertainment, you have, if you're not going out and supporting other live acts, bands, DJs, comedians, whatever they are, and you're not showing face and shaking their hand and going, dude, great show tonight, man, you crushed it, you know, and showing them support. How do you expect to get support? You know, you know, you have to give to get, and it's, it's just how you grow your business. And it's, it's, it's the same way, you know, if, if I see somebody that has, you know, a certain type of company, I'm going to buy a couple of units of their product or I'll support them or whatever in, in hopes that they do the same. Every, you know, there, there's so much business to go around. Everybody should be trying to help each other and all come up together. So it's really just kind of a combination. There's no one set formula. It has to be just, you know, you have to look for these opportunities and, and, and go like, it's funny. Like when I, when I travel with some of my DJ buddies, they'll say to me, you know, we'll be in a room or at an event and there'll be a lot of CEOs and corporate heads and big, you know, billionaires, gazillionaires, whatever airs. And the running joke is like, watch, watch DJ fresh, how he works a room. Because my thing is, look, if I'm in that room and I've got all these important people in that room and I have an hour that I'm only going to be in that room with these people, I, and I'm not going to go up to him and be like, hey, 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 uh, you know, excuse me, uh, let me interrupt you real quick. No, like you have to wait for your angle and you have to make sure it's, you got to be very strategic about it. And, you know, you have to be comfortable about how you approach and how you interject yourself into that conversation or whatever. But I look at it like 
almost like you're like Jason Bourne, you know, and you're a secret spy scanning a room. You know, you have to know the exits, the entry points, who these people are, what they're wearing, who they are, you know, what they're affiliated with, blah, blah, blah. But I'll do it in a way to where I want to maximize the amount of opportunity that I have in that room because I might not see these people again. You know, but I, and I do it in a very professional way. Um, or if there's something I could do for, for them, I'll go up and I'll say, listen, you know, um, I know, I know you're extremely busy tonight. Here's my card. If there's, if you have any foundations, if you have any charities that you're affiliated with, if there's anything I can do, I'd be happy to donate my services to help with whatever you need, you know, things of that nature, because I love giving back. I love, you know, being able to use my platform to help other organizations, whether it's raise money, create awareness, you know, um, or, or just anything. So I've been taking notes in summary, do right by people, be reciprocal, work the room and give back. And you know what? Like pardon my French, but just don't be an asshole. Nobody likes a, an asshole. This is you a know, cursing friendly show, Doug. Oh, great. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> be an asshole. You know, like, and that's a big thing because, you know, you have to really learn, you know, how to step and not overstep and, and make sure that you're just kind of in the middle you know, and, and riding, riding a fine line so that you can leave a good impression so that people want more. It's just like me performing. I don't hand out all my business cards after a, a, a corporate function or a wedding or whatever. There's people that have such a great time while I've got them and they dance their asses off or they have a great time or I make their event extra special. They refer me out. Or when somebody hits them up and go, hey, who is that DJ again? DJ, was this DJ friend? They're like, oh my God, yeah, here's his number. You got to call him, blah, blah, blah. That's how I've been able to grow my business. It's all been referral based and it's been absolutely amazing. I got 10 DJs that work, you know, I don't like to say they work for me. I like to say they work with me, you know, in my company now, you know, a couple of them are scattered throughout the, the U S and, you know, I help to put them on. I want them to be able to do the super bowls with me and the MLB all-star breaks and the, you know, iron man rock and roll marathons and the other cool fun stuff too, as well, because I want them to get a taste of what the possibilities are, you know, be better than just, you know, the normal events do you know, do greater things. At what point did you start bringing on DJs to work with you? I realized I couldn't be multiple places at one time. <laughs> how long, how long were you into your business? Like truly into your business? You were all in until you got to that point. Yeah. And that's a good question. Cause I, you know, I was just on autopilot for, you know, probably, you know, when I, when I, I'd say 2001, 2002, when I first started doing other events outside of nightclubs, and I realized, man, there's these, you know, I just booked this party for $500 and I'm 22 years old. And then this person just called me and wanted me to do their wedding and they were going to pay me a thousand. Oh, I just missed out on money. But you can't cancel somebody's party because you got a bigger offer if you're locked in. You can't do that. So how do you scale and how can your brand still be there and represent, but you're physically not there? That's when you, you know, you hand select other DJs and entertainers. And I say entertainers because all of my DJs are not just DJs. They don't just show up, play music and collect a check. If you don't come with a microphone, you're not going to get booked again. If you don't get on the mic and you don't hype up that crowd, and you don't make it memorable and, and have them remember you, then you're doing something wrong. So it was, it was probably, you know, a good three years, probably 2006, 2007. And I started acquiring other guys and saying, Hey, can you come do this gig? Can you, play with me here because I have to leave this gig and then go straight to a next gig. Or can you start this gig so I can go there and then I'll get there at this time. And, and it was just, it was getting out of control. And I just started bringing more guys in and more guys in. And the more guys would 
be able to have a better opportunity because I'd be feeding them these gigs. They'd be making more money. You know, it would completely change their life and their lifestyle. Um, and they were able to be a part of something great in all these premier events, you know, um, you know, come and DJ the stadium if I'm out of town, you know, and they get a chance to rock a stadium with 20, 30,000 people at the Rays game. You know, you don't get those opportunities, you know, those, those opportunities don't come around, you know, you have to earn that business and you have to earn the respect of these corporate entities to have them trust you with entertaining, you know, and, and representing their brand. It's a big, big deal. And I'm very proud of my team. I'm very proud of my guys. All of them are just absolute rock stars with, with great personalities and great hearts. And, um, you know, you get a couple, let, let's keep it real. You know, you do get a couple bad seeds out there and you have to sometimes trim the fat just like with anything, but you know, that's, that's, that's just with anything. Um, but we're very lucky and very fortunate, but it was, I'd say probably about four to five years after, you know, really establishing that I started acquiring, you know, other talent on the roster. So I want everyone listening to understand, I mean, there's all this talk nowadays of like, you know, overnight success or, um, get rich quick and all of those things. Um, and every overnight success takes between like 10 and 20 years. So just to quantify, you know, your hustle, how, you know, it took you four to five years of just doing things on your own and grinding just in the DJ space, not even talking about, you know, the pumpkin patch and the painting of the fences and all of those, you know, projects to really get your name out and be like, become a one man band to create, you know, start to create this, you know, proper empire. And similarly, you know, I've been making jewelry for almost three decades, hawking merch for almost two decades. I formerly had my company for three years and I just will now have like, like a fuck you big break opportunity in the spring that we're going to launch, which I'm excited. I can't say it now because of NDAs, but um, you have to be impossibly and relentlessly committed to your craft. Um, so when you talked earlier about your network and, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded people <clears throat> and folks that support you, did you ever have to walk away from certain relationships, purge relationships? Like, did you ever have to take inventory of who was around you and go, if I stay with them, I will not be where I want to be? Like, what does your like social personal life look like in that regard? Yes. And first of all, before I comment on that, I want to say, you know, congratulations on all your success too. You know, every time I see you, you have the best style. You, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like if I was a female, I would want you to dress me. I'd, I'd be rocking everything you got. Like, you know, it, you've done a really great job and built up your own amazing reputation too, because even before we met, I was hearing about you and I was hearing your name through our, our, you know, our mutual circles. And I was like, I got to meet, I got to meet this girl. I got to find out like what she's all about. And then at, you know, at the event, I was like, oh my gosh, it's you. Like I've been hearing about <laughs> you. So, but that, that's what it takes. It takes saturation. And you're right. There is no overnight success. I mean, it took me 10 years to get, you know, to be able to play for a major league baseball team. It took me, you know, shoot eight, 17 years to be able to break into the NFL and, and, and do things like that. Really, really crazy scale. Um, but, you know, <sighs> the entertainment industry is a, one of the most grimy backstabbing dirty industries you could possibly be in. And that probably is a whole other podcast we should talk about, but you know, you've got everything from people not doing their job, right. Um, to people not being loyal to you 
right? Or your crew. And you've got people who change, you know, they're, they're, they're one way, you know, for several years. And then all of a sudden they change, no, you know, whether it be whatever, whatever reason, um, you're constantly having to reevaluate your business relationships, your friendships, your partnerships, and the people that work for you and with you. And just the same way you do, look, you could have toxic family members that you need to stay away from. You know, like once I had kids and became a father, it was very clear to me that before I would put up with stuff, I would kind of, you know, I would still run my business, right? But I would, I would just kind of, I wasn't as, you know what, you got to go, you got to go, you're out my life. Like I can't, no, like I, I'm all about positivity, getting all the negative and toxic stuff out of my life, out of my business, out of any affiliations that I have, because our time is very short and very limited on this earth. You know, we may be alive for 85 years, but, you know, you know, 90 years, but it's not a long time. It's really not, you know, and once I had kids, it was an eye-opening experience because it's like, I want to come home happy. I don't want to come home stressed, you know, because, you know, this happened or this person went crazy or this person, you know, this or that, or, you know, it's just, you're always having to reevaluate, reevaluate. And you know what, like anybody listening right now, I will highly suggest that you take an inventory of the closest people around you in your life and ask yourself, what are they doing for you mentally? Not what are they doing for you in a money capacity or helping you, but like, what are they doing for you? Do they make you happy? Are you, do you, do you get excited when their, their number comes up on your phone, you know, or do you go, Oh God, not this person again. Uh, okay. That's bad. So you got to figure out a way to trim that, trim that out. So you can live a good, happy, positive life because that negative energy will bog you down and everything will start to suffer your work, your personal life. There was a time where I was very miserable. My wife had to check me, you know, I was, I had this partnership with a nightclub owner and, and, uh, just the partnership was just toxic. And I was working my butt off. We had just had our son. I'm literally getting calls while we're in the delivery room about shit, just going crazy at the club. And, uh, and she's like, what are you doing? Like, this is not even worth it. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I walked away from the whole project. I literally just walked away. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you just, you have to walk away for you to realize it was the best decision for you to walk away. And, you know, that's a great question you just asked, because that's a question a lot of people don't, don't ask. Well, I think a couple of things, rejection is God's protection, number one. And when you walk away from something and you, you know, fully close the door, not like leave it half, you know, half open or leave it cracked, um, you inevitably open up another door and you open up space for something else to come in. Um, And also, I think that one thing that isn't celebrated in our current cancel culture is making mistakes, right? Like you can also close a door and be like, oh, dang, like, I, you know, I, I wasn't ready to close that one or, I, you know, maybe I should have left that one open a little bit more. Here's how I could have navigated myself in that situation, but all for a reason. Like we all learn what we're supposed to learn in our right time. Um, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of setting those boundaries and, and um, closing doors to open new ones. And I wasn't always, I was like, the yes girl for everything and, you know, always wanted to make everyone happy. And now I'm like, no, I think it's important that I fill my cup up because if I'm taken care of and I take care of myself, then everybody by proxy will be taken care of as well. 
A hundred percent. And that's the same way when you're a parent, you know, mm-hmm. when you're a parent, you can't be happy and take care of the family, especially, you know, being a, a provider or being, you know, the, the, the one who's working a lot or whatever, and having to, to really take care of, of, of the household, you know, um, you know, even just doing all the, all the housework stuff around, you know, if, 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 if you're not happy and you're miserable and things start to fall apart, everything's going to be affected. It's a trickle down effect. You know, you're, you're, you're so right with what you just said, because, you know, there are a lot of times where, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Maybe you're not going to handle this conversation, right? Maybe you're not going to handle this situation, right? You know, own up to it. You know what? My bad. I'm, I apologize. I'm sorry. I should have handled it this way. My bad. Absolutely. hundred percent because it's the people that own up to it and want to better that relationship. If it makes sense for that certain, you know, relationship, then you can, you can mend and move on and, and be even better and even stronger. But there's also times where you just need to cut the cord and go, the faster I get away from this toxic situation. Oh my gosh, I'm going to wake up. I remember when I left that project at that, at that certain nightclub, I woke up the next day and I felt this huge, huge sign of relief. I was like, I don't have to take one more phone call. I don't have to answer. I don't have to talk to these people again. I don't have to answer an email. I have no responsibilities, nothing connected to this project at all whatsoever. And then after that was like opportunity after opportunity, partnership after partnership. And I was like, oh my God, I should have did this like weeks ago, <laughs> you know, but you, but you learn, you know, and as long as you have open and your eyes open, you're going to be just fine. It's just like anything, you know, it's like driving a boat for the first time and you don't really know the waterways. You got to navigate. It's, it's, it's the same thing in business and in life and relationships. At what point in your career did you not, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, right? To have the hustle mentality. I don't feel like any true entrepreneur ever feels like they have they will ever make it because, you know, the goalpost keeps moving. However, at what point in your career did you go, Oh, I've arrived. Uh, I went silent on that because I'm like, uh, I, I'm, I'm so hungry and my thirst for one success, but multiple successes is so real that I don't think I have arrived. I think, you know, I explain this to like people when I'm talking or when I, when I, when I'm asked to come in and speak to either certain schools or organizations or even like my guys. And I go, I I grew up on a lake, right. And I used to watch these frogs jump from lily pad to lily pad. Right. And the frogs went from lily pad to lily pad to get to their destination where they wanted to go. And I'm not trying to get deep. This is just a weird and how my brain works. Right. No, let's but go was, there. That's what the show's for. We're going to go there. Yeah, I'm, I'm in yeah. it with you. I'm holding space for you. <laughs> yeah. And so, but my thing was like, look, every opportunity is a lily pad. You jump on that lily pad. You ride that opportunity out until it either ends or until it takes you to another lily pad. So every lily pad is an opportunity for you to jump to. And it's up to you to figure out how many you want to do, where you want to go, who you want to hang out on that lily pad with while you're there, and what else you can do from, you know what I mean, that, that point and where you're at in that time. Um, but it's, it's, it's really important to realize that every opportunity is just an opportunity. And whether it ends before you want it to, it's okay. It's fine. 
Because as long as you have a great reputation and as long as you're respected and as long as you're appreciated and as long as you're a hard worker and you're a hustler, you're going to have multiple other opportunities come at you because of what you've already done. And because of the fact that there are other people waiting in line to work with you, to do something with you, you know? And I, I think that that's extremely important because there's so many people that, you know, I've seen who are successful in business, but they're just a really bad person or they treat their employees horribly. And I've watched people that had great reputations literally just change and get a taste of like a limelight or get a taste of like club life or, you know, everybody thinks they're cool because they're popping bottles or whatever. And literally just watch them downward spiral, you know, or trying to help and reach out and lend a helping hand and them just swat it away and go, no, nah, I'm good. And then you just watch their fall. And, but, you know, as long as it's not you, who's the one that's falling, that's, that's the most important takeaway. What would you say to folks who are, cause I, I would argue that you and I both have a really good balance of, you know, creative and business, left brain, right brain, kind of a balance. Um, that's not the case for everyone. What would you say to someone who is maybe more stronger in their creative sphere? And they're like, I'm really talented at this, but I might like suck at scheduling or I might be bad at um, correspondence or things like that. How would you like coach them to be better so that that doesn't make their brand suffer? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, now it's a lot easier because now you can, you, know, you can pull up task managers, you can pull up scheduling assistants, you can pull up apps, you can pull up YouTube. How do I handle my time better? Boom, you'll have Etsy and all these other creatives that will help you. I think, you know, it's, it's, I was listening to your podcast all over again with um, Amy Dressen, who's fabulous, absolutely fabulous. And, you know, she was like, you know, I went through these people and found this girl I really vibe with on Etsy. You know, you have to go through some people to find out who you really mesh with. Who's, who's going to be the best fit for you? You know, my wife is starting this new business. We've been helping, you know, her big time build this up the last few months. And, you know, we talked to a few people about building out her Shopify in the back end. And I went, wait a minute. I just had this like, and they, you know, they weren't really like the right fit per se. And then I went, wait a minute. I know this girl, Chloe, and she's, oh my gosh. I actually think she's like into the same stuff as, as you. She's got great fashion sense. She's got great creative direction. Let's hit her up. And then they had one talk and then the, within 30 seconds, they had bonded and it was like, boom, fireworks went off and they hit the ground running. So, you know, you have to, like one thing for me, everybody's like, you know, when I travel and stuff and I'm talking to these people, they're like, well, who's your PR agent? Who's your manager? And blah, blah, blah. Can I get their number? And I'm like, me. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it's me. And they're like, well, what, well, who manages all your stuff? Who schedules all your bookings? Who talks to all the clients? I go, me? Why would I have somebody else talk to my clients? This is a personal service I'm providing. I'm like, I handle that because I, I pride myself on making sure that there's no disconnect from my client or my customer to me. You know, now everybody can't do that and that's fine. But whatever you're, you know, but my weakness is staying organized because I'm, I have so many things going on. I have so many different companies and different partnerships and relationships that, I literally still take a notepad and write out my to-do list because I'm old school like that where I have to see it. And I got to literally draw a line through it and cross it off to see what I've got accomplished and to make sure I stay on track. But everybody has to find what works for them. And if it's not working for you, completely switch up your routine, completely do something different. 
you know, um, because that's the only way you're going to be able to, you know, progress and move forward. Absolutely. I think there's, this is a concept that comes up quite a bit on the show is a concept of permission, like give yourself permission to reinvent the wheel for it to serve you. Right. Like don't let it inhibit what you're doing, but if you're like, Hey, this isn't working, even though I did all this work to try and make this particular like schedule or system, try and work for me. If it doesn't work, then can it, like you tried it. Cool. You, now, you know, what doesn't work. Um, it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. I, I think that it's, it is really important to stay like organized and on top of your stuff. But to your point, if pen and paper works for you, then double down on that. And That's similarly, no, yeah. I mean, you have to just find what works for you, you know, and if something isn't working, change it. It's really easy to change. You know, if, if, if you're gaining weight and you're not eating right and you wonder why you don't feel good, uh, well change it, you know, start eating better, you know, maybe go out for a walk. I'm not saying you got to go hit the gym and be all crazy with it, but you know, do, do something different to completely alter. So you can be better at whatever it is you're trying to be better at. Totally. And to your point about staying in touch with your clients, we recently made a huge change um, internally with the jewelry brand. We were with a showroom for, I want to say two, two and a half years in LA and they handled all of our wholesale accounts. And so they both got us accounts and they also absorbed all of the accounts that I had gotten prior. So it was a great learning experience. I adore them. They're so good at what they do. Um, but at the point of moving the headquarters from LA to Tampa, I knew that that wouldn't, wasn't going to work. You know, there were still a couple systems that, you know, weren't virtual yet. And I needed to have everything on the cloud so that I could make the business function. So we brought all of our wholesale accounts in house. By that point, we had reached, um, you know, upward of 200 accounts across the States. And I thought, well, I can't give this to like a salesperson. I have to take this on. So similarly, I had to let go of so many other things that some of them I enjoyed, some of them I was really good at, but the relationships with our buyers and with our wholesalers, ultimately they want to talk to me. Ultimately the people are going to want to talk to you. And so is that scalable? Perhaps not to an extent, but I think so long as you can be in touch with your clients as much as you can, that will help your brand and your relationships so much. A hundred percent because, you know, the thing that clients do not want is a disconnect. They, they, it, you know, if your name is on the brand or attached to the brand, they want to talk to you. They want to hear from you. They want to see you, you know, um, and, and that's extremely important because look, we're living in a crazy age right now where everybody's so disconnected. And now we're talking about, you know, everybody hanging out in a metaverse with a different <laughs> avatar version of themselves. And this is like an episode of Black Mirror. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay, look, maybe from like a business standpoint, or if maybe there's like opportunities you can buy or whatever, cool. But like, I want to go out and shake somebody's hand. I, I want the old school way of doing things because we're social creatures. You know what I mean? Humans are not made to live in a metaverse, you know, like we're not. AI is made to live in a metaverse, you know? So I think we're going to really find out that people are going to dip into this and try this and go, I want the human interaction, you know, and it's crazy raising kids in this day and age too. Cause that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. Cause it's that's a whole it's, nother podcast. Know, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, girl, we need to have one of those. Cause I, I can go on for hours with that. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents that'd be like, I will tune into that one. But yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm old school, right? I was always taught <clears throat> hand to hand, face to face. 
You know, I want to be able to look somebody in the eye, smile, shake their hand and say, it was really, really great to meet you. And I look forward to talking to you soon because that little comment and that little social interaction, people remember that they go, they go, you know, it goes so far and, you know, just handing people a nice, attractive business card and go, Hey, I really look forward to talking to you here. Here's my, here's my direct line. You know, call me anytime. You know, I say to my clients, you know, I'm like, listen, this is my cell phone number. My number is on constantly. If it's 11 o'clock midnight and you got a question about your event, you got a question about your wedding. You, you just want to run something by somebody who has an unbiased opinion. Call me, call me. And they're like, Oh my gosh. Wow. You know, it's just, people just don't do that anymore. So I think the people that have that philosophy and that, that personal touch like that will be way more successful at managing and growing whatever it is that they're doing. I will second that, especially when it comes to a business card. If you have, especially if you have a unique logo, like, you know, a brand or a product like my own, or even just you having like DJ fresh and big, bold letters on one side of the card, number one, business cards are not really used as much nowadays. So when you have one, it's a surprise. And secondarily, if you have one that is an impressive design or something that stands out, it's even that much more of a wow factor. And it's to the point where I have given out business cards to folks and they said, wait, I've seen this logo before. Like, wait, I own your product or like, wait, my best friend or my sister or whatever the conversation is, the power of the business card is so underrated nowadays. You know, I was, it's funny you said that. I was speaking at this DJ conference in Orlando and, you know, one of the questions was, well, how can I, you know, look, I'm a DJ and I'm really trying to get out there. How can I, how can I really get out there? And I'm like, okay, well, how do you, how do you network? Oh, well, I go to, you know, I go to the clubs, I go to these, you know, uh, DJ conventions and blah, 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 blah. But I've just had a really hard time with growing, you know, my, my like, you know, private events business and things like that. I'm like, do you have a business card? And they're like, well, no, nobody really has business cards anymore. And I go, right. But think about that for a second. Think about if you actually handed me an attractive looking business card. Okay. And it listed everything, who you are and everything that you do on there. And I put it in my pocket. At night, when everybody gets home, what's the first thing you do when you get home? You empty out your pockets. You put your keys on the table. You know, if you got chapstick, your AirPods, whatever it is. Oh, here's that business card. Wow. This is a, you know what? This is a really cool business card. You know what? I'm going to save this guy's number. I'm going to message him right now on Insta. Or I'm going to hit him up on whatever. So I, I was saying that because I'm a firm believer in that because that's how I've been able to really grow. And it's free. It doesn't cost like it, business. You can get a thousand business cards for like $30 that are like Vista print or something. <laughs> yeah. That are like <laughs> awesome cards. You know, as long as you put some actual emphasis and thought into your, you know, what they look like. But <clears throat> so I said that probably a year later, I'm with my family. We're eating at um, STK steakhouse at downtown Disney and the DJ, the vibe was amazing throwback hip hop jams, R and B. And we're like eating steaks. It's like, it's a nice, you know, place. And I'm like, the vibe is great. I kept telling my wife, she's like, we just go and network already. Like, just go say what's up. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I went over and I was like, Hey man, I really love to get your information. Like you just, the vibe is so great. I'm like actually hanging out with my family right now. And we're, we're just loving the vibe. And he goes, bro, you're DJ fresh. And I was like, yeah. He goes here, here, here's my card. It was one of the guys who was at that DJ convention who actually remembered me saying that, went and got these dope cards printed up and handed it to me. And I was like, bro, I was, and then you know what I did? I booked him for a bunch of events 
And now he's made money off of me because of that opportunity. And because he did what I, you know, he said what he was going to do. And he's a crazy talented guy, but some people are better at, you know, networking and marketing and getting themselves out there than others. And some people, you know, everybody's got their strengths and everybody's got their weaknesses. Right. But I was so impressed. I literally was floored. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to book you. I'm going to book you for some events. And I booked them on corporate events, club events, all kinds of stuff based off of that one thing. And I was like, wow, people actually listen to what I say. <laughs> I just, I just got chills everywhere. And similarly, it works. It works. If there is someone who's listening who maybe isn't, you know, super creative or more outgoing in a persona, you know, arena, but, you know, one-on-one, you know, networking is a little bit daunting for you. A, a business card is a great buffer. It's a great buffer. You can like hand it to someone and be like, you know, this is my info. Would love to chat with you. And like, that's it. You don't have to go further into giving your elevator pitch or trying to promote yourself or making it awkward. Like it's, it is a great tool to use. So well, yeah, and one, one thing I say is, look, you, yeah, you don't have to do a spiel. Don't, don't pitch people. You know, unless you're on Shark Tank, you don't need to be pitching anybody. All you need to say is, here's my card with all my personal information. Let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you. That's it. Just say, let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you. Because you're not asking for something. You're offering to do something for somebody else. You know, I met Gary Vee, and everybody asked Gary Vee for stuff. And we're at Super Bowl in Minneapolis. And we got introduced by mutual friends. So it was a very casual, cool. And we were like alone. He wasn't getting hounded. It was great. And I handed him my card. And I said, how are you doing, Gary? How's Gary? How's Gary doing? And he starts laughing and he goes, I'm actually really good, man. Nobody, nobody really asked me how I'm doing. And I was like, well, listen, here's my card. If there's anything I can ever do for you, keep my card or let your team know. And if you have any charity functions or anything like that, I said, I'll fly wherever you want me to fly and I'll do it. I'll do it for free pro bono for you just to help support. I didn't ask one thing of him. I didn't ask him for a picture. I didn't ask for anything. I just simply was offering my services to him if he needed anything. And it caught him completely off guard because so many of these, you know, everybody's used to getting, you know, you too, you know, you're, you're used to getting asked for stuff or, Hey, can you do this? Or, Hey, can you do that? Or, Hey, can I get a deal on, you know, on the, you know, if I buy two, three necklaces, can I get these earrings half off or whatever? It's like, look, man, like, you know, I think if you go about it the right way and you simply just, it's all how you present yourself. But if you say, here's my card and all my information, let me know if I can ever do anything for it. And similarly, it, it, goes, it and, goes a long way, you know, and building up a brand and building up a company and a, and a persona and also a reputation, you also then have that leverage to be generous. Like, it's not just about your own self or your own company. Like, I feel like, you know, we both have such exciting brands where we now have the opportunity to give back or to, um, to support people in other ways, um, because we've worked so hard to build our respective brands. Um, somehow it's been an hour. We knew this was going to happen. Doug, where we need, we need part two and three. <laughs> oh, done. I mean, this is going to be a regular thing. You know, it's fine. We're going to have our own podcast. Sessions. <laughs> sessions. We just need right. session numbers. Right. Um, where can our listeners find you and support you? Thank you. And, and thank you so much for having me. You, uh, your energy is so infectious and you're always smiling. And I know people can't see you right now, but you have been smiling throughout this whole thing. And it's, and it's very refreshing. And you are always just super fun and outgoing. And uh, it has really, truly been a pleasure getting to know you. Um, and I wish you nothing but the most 
of all the success in the world. So thank you again for, for having me on your show. Um, yeah, you know, follow, follow me on Instagram. It's uh, my company's DJ Fresh Events. And that's pretty much how I have everything. Um, so at DJ Fresh Events, um, website's completely being retooled with all this crazy footage I've had from all these events the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm in this whole fun rebranding phrase right now of everything and, and, and elevating everything from the TV host life with HSN to, you know, tentacle with shark tank and everything else going on, um, in our creative agency. So it's, it's just been a fun ride and, and listen, anybody that's listening, if you have any questions, you know, if you want to just pick somebody's ear, please shoot me a message, shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm, I'm very happy to help out or just lend, you know, any, any kind of, um, you know, expertise that I possibly can. And, um, you know, I, I love to see everybody succeed. There's so much room for us to all come up together. I love that. Well, you are sincerely the best and I'm so grateful for your time and your wisdom and you will absolutely be back more than once. And, um, thank you for everything. Yeah, we got to shout out Q. Shout out Q too for making us sound good, you know. I know. Shout out Q. He doesn't like to uh, be um, in the spotlight. So I tend to make him uncomfortable and do that for him just to, you know, just to bother him a little bit. So shout out Q, our producer, and um, everybody at Island City Media. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Success and nothing less. And I look forward to uh, part two. Likewise. Well, you guys, I am so fired up. That interview was absolutely everything. A massive thank you to Doug for coming on the show. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please be sure to leave a review so we can continue bringing you and the people and conversations that you love. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostello.com and MarinCostello Radio on Instagram. I love you guys so much. Have the most beautiful day. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week.